Welcome to the first episode of Suffering Saranar. Um, on today's journey, on today's Safar, uh, I will be talking about um, religion and religious traumas and uh, what I like to call the the mosque industrial complex. Um, and before we begin, I just kind of wanted to give an update on what I'm reading. So right now I'm reading a manga series called Erased. Um, where the main character gets pulled back in time. Um, and so it's kind of like a sci-fi-esque, uh, but also it explores like childhood trauma. Uh, and then it's actually interesting because I'm reading a nonfiction book at the same time called What Happened to You by Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Bruce Perry. Um, this was recommended to me by my uncle who is listening to this as an audiobook. And I also started listening to it as an audiobook at first, but with nonfiction, I tend to like to have like a physical copy um, especially if I'm learning a lot, just so that I can make my own notes and highlight and things like that. And so uh, I did get the physical copy. I just haven't gotten around to really getting into it yet. Uh, but inshallah, I will. And I'm hoping to have him on for an episode so that we can discuss our thoughts and he can give some of his input because he is also a psychiatrist. All right, so just before we begin, I did want to put out a disclaimer that I am a Muslim. I'm a Sufi Hanafi Muslim. And everything that I talk about is kind of from my own personal experience. So this isn't me like generalizing or trying to make like a whole thing about like, oh, Muslims are like this. But this is just from my personal experience and what I've seen. And um, for my from what I know is very common in the Muslim community, um, unfortunately. So I was um, a very active member of my mosque, of the Mississauga Muslim Community Center. Um, and it's really interesting because I've tried to, so like a couple of years ago, I completely tried to like disappear off the internet. So like deleted all my socials, everything. And if you Google my full name, uh, I, like the location that comes up is this community center. And I'm just really embarrassed about that. Not because, not because like, oh, I'm a Muslim and I don't want it. Like, not like that. But it's just that like the experience that I've had with the folks that run and continue to run that mosque was not the greatest. Um, and of course, I still have like lifelong friends from there, alhamdulillah. And like, you know, those few individuals are like, you know, my rider dies, mashallah. But like the men, just the men, you know. So today's topic is about religious traumas. Um, and about the mosque industrial complex. So just a couple of content warnings. I will be discussing um, uh, sexual assault um, and other kind of like religious discussions and topics and verbal and emotional harassment and things like that. So um, just a heads up about that. I'm Islamophobic. Um, <laughs> and so when I say this, I mean that I'm honestly like I'm I'm scared of this front that people put up where they're perceived to be religious but are actually quite the opposite underneath. And this isn't always the case, obviously, but unfortunately, this is my like irrational or honestly like quite rational fear. Like, I honestly, like, I don't know who to go to for religious guidance at this point and things like that, you know? Or like if. If someone shows up and starts like, you know, criticizing you and being like, oh, this is haram and that's haram and pointing fingers like that truly makes me Islamophobic. Like, I'm just like, why? Why are you pointing these fingers? I understand that, you know, there's that argument where like, um, you know, tell uh, tell other Muslims like, oh, you know, you're doing this bad or this bad. But like in 
in my experience, like just unless someone is asking you for advice, just keep it to yourself, you know, like I I know a lot. I know a lot about religion, you know, alhamdulillah, I was raised to learn a lot and honest, like also like pass that knowledge on. But I'm not about to go and be the haram police and be like, do this, this and this, but not this, you know. Um, and so I read a book a while back called uh, Saints and Misfits by um, S.K. Ali. And I honestly really, really liked this book because it reminded me, and I think I read it in 2020 as well, uh, a time when uh, my relationship with the mosque was not that great. Or like, not with the mosque, but like the men at the mosque was not that great. Um, and I really, really did um, enjoy that book. Uh, and in that book, what happens is that like, uh, there's a character named Jenna. And so she has... Uh, had like an experience with sexual assault and she's processing it throughout the book um and so throughout the book we don't really know who this person is but i have some thoughts about that book that kind of relate to like you know our everyday life um so like mosques and islamic culture in general is very binary like you're either not religious and quote-unquote ashamed or people have like holier-than-thou attitudes and are like revered by the community so a spoiler alert about what happens in the book, the person that has memorized the Quran ends up being a pervert, um, like just a very bad person. Um, and I know so many little boys who are being tutored by young men in memorizing the Quran, but I also know that some of those young men don't necessarily have the best character. Um, and this is honestly just based off my experiences of collaborating with them for numerous mosque events for about like six plus years um and i don't anymore because i finally grew a spine uh but you know these young men have memorized the quran sure but they're extremely misogynistic and they don't want women's opinions about certain things and they also contribute to this apolitical and like very toxic structure of the mosque which and and mosques themselves have become more of an institution rather than a safe and sacred spiritual place um and we'll talk more about that a little bit later but you know um they police the way people dress and uh women are obligated to wear hijabs before entering or acting um you know in a certain way and i understand that you know but if if women are coming into the mosque and they don't have a have a hijab or have a skirt or things like that then you know the mosque should provide that for them because some women don't wear the hijab and so you should be welcoming to everyone um but you know this this place was very very interesting. I mean, they do they do have those hijabs now, but um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, but and and then they ask really they act really shocked. Like this one time when I I showed up in my work clothes, and uh, you know the imam there kind of pulled me to the side and he's like, hey, you should be wearing something longer. And I'm like, bro, I I literally just came home from work. Like we live in a society, you know. Like lower your own gaze if you want to be so holy, you know. Like anyway, I it's just it was frustrating, but. It's it's honestly just frustrating because men have so many expectations of women and when women speak up about things, it's not even acknowledged to be of value. And there's this really interesting quote in the book that I really liked because, uh, you know, people see women wearing abayas or men wearing thobes and they think automatically, wow, what a what a religious person, what an amazing person. Um, and so this imam in the book says, 
there's no reference to a specific style of clothing in the Qur'an. As long as it meets the requirements of Islamic modesty and cleanliness, it can be a thing of beauty, a fashionable item, if you will, of any culture. Um, and then he asks, how exactly did Abu Jahl and Abu Lahab, those men bent on killing the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, dress? Were they also not wearing the same gar garments that are now claimed to solely represent Islam? If they were to materialize in our midst today, those among us without true knowledge of our religion would rush to authenticate them as exemplary Muslims based on their appearance. Thus, we wear clothing on the outside to cover and beautify, but our insides are equally important. If our outsides look pious, but our core is not mindful of God, we are not true servants of Allah. I want to add that clothing is not religious, but cultural, and Muslims belong to all cultures of the world. So go ahead, cover that head with a baseball cap or turban. I hear they're quite fashionable these days. And this was honestly such a good, like, passage to read and I think it was validating for Jannah as well but like for everyone I think and it's it's based on a very like Sufi belief to be quite honest because um, a lot of the times like you know you look at um, the Hanafi school of faith or the Shafi school of faith and they're like oh but you have to wear this thing a certain way or this thing a certain way or you have to do this thing a certain way um, but as long as you know your intention is pure I think inshallah you'll you'll be fine but really, you know, to go off of that is that what's really scary um, and like it's more pervasive is the physical, sexual, financial, emotional, verbal abuse that happens on the basis of religion and not even like necessarily in a mosque-like setting, but because uh, religious leaders or imams or men in a position of power uh, pass these messages on, they're accepted in the community, you know? Like, these things are just accepted without question because it's like, oh yeah, that person at the mosque does this, so it must be right, you know? Um, and so when you have that position of power, it's really wrong to abuse it. And what's especially even scarier is that, you know, uh, most of the time these men are around children or are around women who are very easily influenced. And so... You know, when you tell these people, these children, these young girls, these young men uh, how to behave and what to do, it's very scary because we have this trust that we put in them. And there's, you know, all these traumas that develop as a result of this because you, you put your trust in this person and you kind of grow up and you realize, hold on, the way that person said this was not right or the way that this person you know, did these certain actions or violated my boundaries was not right. And um, I was uh, in therapy a year ago trying to create these better boundaries and saying no to all these men. And um, and they kept reaching out to me despite me saying no and no and no and no. Um, and I remember this one phone call where uh, I was on the phone with this man who had just taken over the education department. Um, and of course, before that, it was a woman who's very dear to my heart, mashallah. Um, I love her so much. She's just like another mother, you know. Um, but, you know, men have other plans. And so they put a man in her place. And this man was like, I, I was trying to leave because obviously like the management had changed and the atmosphere was really different. And it was just very toxic, more toxic than before. And I did not feel comfortable staying and teaching. And I didn't think it was a safe place for or like a safe space for my students even, you know, because there was so much like surveillance and like nitpicking of like the curriculum and things like that. And so I did not enjoy my time. And so I was leaving. And this man calls me and he emotionally like religiously blackmails me. You know, he goes, 
um he goes on fully like a two-hour phone call i remember this clear as day because i was in my room and i was crying and he was on the phone and i'd muted myself and i was just crying i got up took the phone with me was like washing my face in the washroom um and then i i took the phone with me to go grab like a glass of water and then i went back to my room and after a while my mom shows up and she's like why are you listening to this lecture like it's so it's so like emotionally taxing why are you still listening to it and i'm like it's not a lecture it's an uncle who is yelling at me um and she's like what the heck like hang up on him and i'm like it's okay and she left the room because she's like okay well you know she's an adult she can deal with this which i couldn't but this man fully says he literally says you're going to hell he's like oh up jahannam me and i was like dude what um like first of all who are you to tell me that i'm going to be going to hell because i'm not like sticking around and teaching these kids like i love these kids to death more than you would know um but because of your management like i can't i can't um and and honestly like those kids did reach out to me i remember this uh one girl who reached out to me in grade 12 to have me edit one of her essays and mashallah like that was such a good feeling you know like alhamdulillah that i can still be like a safe person for them to reach out to um but anyway like buddy if if you're telling me to go to hell you bet i'm i'm going to drag you there with me like i'm not going there alone you know like i'm taking you there with me but honestly like this is just like this is my personal experience but i know a lot of women who've been abused like this um who have tried to create changes you know and have been abused like this and it's not it's not fair and like there were so many women in the time of the prophet sallallahu who also were in positions of power and they don't want to acknowledge this and they just don't they don't give you any power they don't give you any time space and even if they do they they take it better when it comes out of like the mouth of a man like this happened so many times when we were just like in staff meetings and i would say something and they'd be like mhm and like just nod blankly and then uh, a man like another guy would just say the exact same thing i said like the exact same thing and they'd be like wow mashallah like wow i've never heard that before but all of that is just to say that everyone has a complicated relationship with religion and uh, some also have these traumas. And so keep that in mind when you're interacting with other people. And if you are an organizer with a mosque or like in a position of power, um, keep these things in mind. And especially if you're a man, you know, like take these things into account that maybe we should have women involved in these processes. Um uh, one thing that I was, uh, I actually wanted to, <laughs> this kind of, I wanted to lead into the whole like mosque industrial con complex uh, topic. It's hilarious to me because, and also like, this is something my dad told me. So like, um, if, if you want to bash anyone, bash him, not me. Um, so basically he came uh, uh, the other day and told me about this story. So someone passed away and they had gone to a mosque in the East End. And uh, so in, in the Sufi, uh, there are like different Sufi paths. And so there's like the Deobandi and the Brelvi. Um, that's uh, that were the, like the mosques that were in that area. So one of the mosques that he went to was uh, Brelvi Mosque. And this man, so at the mosque, right, he's like talking the, like a, a guy who, um, uh, like an authoritative man with power or whatever, like... Um, I don't know what you call them, like uh, a part, a board member, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So he was talking to my dad and he was saying 
uh, that, you know, Alhamdulillah, brother, we have 22 franchises in Canada. <laughs> like, <laughs> he fully called the mosques, like, a mosque, a franchise. How are you going? Like, I can't. I really cannot. And and so my dad was like, oh, what's the process to, like, apply to open a franchise? And the guy just gave him a blank stare. And I was like, wow, that's... It's actually crazy because, like, you know, we, especially in the East End, like, in the GTA, like, and I'm saying East End, but, like, West End, too, to be honest, like, for sure, Mississauga, like, Hamilton, even. Um, but if you're going to open a mosque, like, look for a geographical location that will benefit other people and more people and make it more accessible for them. Don't be, like, you know, um, competing with other people. And unfortunately, like, as much as we want to say that, you know, mosques are, like, you know, um, where everybody gets together despite differences and blah, 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 and whatever. Um, there's so many, like, cultural differences. Like, there's, like, Turkish mosques, and there's, like, Pakistani mosques, and there's, like, Gujarati mosques, you know? And they will exclusively only do, like, um, you know, uh, khutbas in that language or things like that. And honestly, that makes me feel really horrible because that was something that we were advocating for in our mosque is that... Um, if please get an imam that speaks English because obviously kids were not understanding these things and as someone who was trying to advocate for the youth and with the youth that was one of our biggest things is that like you know alhamdulillah like I understand Urdu I understand Punjabi um but not all kids do and if we're going to be moving forward language is a huge barrier for them um and so you know just do do your khutbas and do your functions and your events in both languages or three languages or whatever you want to do but don't just have that not be a priority, you know? Um, but yeah, the franchise thing really killed me. I was like, wow, that's actually crazy. Um, but another thing is that, you know, uh, like even with our mosque, the, like, there is no political, like, stance that they take. Like, a lot of mosques are like, oh, yes, we are apolitical because we are religious. But, like, Islam is inherently a religion, like, a, a political religion. Like, you have to speak up for, you know, social injustices that happen. But we aren't willing to acknowledge that they even happen in the first place. For example, domestic violence, emotional abuse. Those things are not acknowledged at all, you know. But, you know, if someone's dying in Afghanistan, you know, we'll start praying. Like, not to say that that's a bad thing. Like, okay, this is gonna, that sounds, I, I sound like the most horrible person on earth. But what I'm trying to say is that, like, you have to start at home. You have to start with yourself. You have to start with your siblings, your family, your community, your neighbors before you, you know, be like, okay, yeah, we're raising funds for something in Afghanistan, which obviously that's important as well. But like, you know, that's that's your material wealth. But what about your like if you're going to be coming to the mosque and you're going to be preaching about, oh, yes, like this is what's happening in Gaza and this is what's happening here and whatever. And then you're going to go home and like beat your wife like you know what I mean? Like, it's just so, it's annoying. And the thing is, like, you can't, and this is why, again, why I say I'm Islamophobic, is because you can't tell what these imams are doing, You because they're not completely honest with you, or you can't really, like, I can't really ever gauge, like, when someone is going to be safe enough to talk to the, to talk um, to talk to, right? Like, a lot of my friends that I still have from the masjid, like, I know that they're safe, you know? Safe as in that we can touch or, like, talk about taboo topics or, like, 
um, controversial things, you know, and have an open conversation. And we might disagree about things, you know, but it'll be healthy. And those are the kinds of conversations that you need to open up in a mosque-like setting. Because if I go to the mosque and I'm like, hey, you know, um, so like, what about this song that was dropped by this artist or whatever? And if I'm not allowed to talk about that in a mosque-like setting, and if the teacher just goes, oh, that's haram, like, oh my god, why are you talking about that? I'm obviously going to go talk about that somewhere else with my friends where I can feel safe enough to talk um, about music, you know, or like just whatever, because we're we're living in, you know, we live in a society. We we <laughs> we're living in an era in a time where all of these things are happening. And it's important to embrace all these aspects of our culture and our religion and have them work side by side and not be, you know, like not have these religious barriers or not have these cultural barriers when it comes to things, you know? And so having this open mindset where like, and that's why, that's why I had to clarify at the beginning that I am a Sufi because a lot of even Hanafi Muslims wouldn't believe this, you know, and be like, oh, you're so like, you're so liberal, you're gone, like, you know, lefty Lucy or whatever. And um, anyway, yes, you can call me lefty Lucy. I am, I am, I'm gone. I'm far out. Uh, <laughs> what am I even saying? So the next thing that I kind of wanted to talk about was uh, the mosque or the so-called mosque industrial complex. And I say this because in the West and, and not even in the West anymore, just all over the world, mosques have ceased to become proper spiritual and sacred and safe spaces for everyone. You know, mosques in the time of the Prophet ﷺ used to be places where folks could, you know, like they used to be food banks, which some mosques still are, but also just, you know, like community centers, rehab facilities, like really just there for the entire community. And so the term uh, industrial complex or like just adding it to something kind of implies that, you know, this thing has become an industry, meaning that, you know, you have relationships with companies, private companies and the government. And really, it's like a capitalistic uh, thing where you're you're driven by profit, you know, and unfortunately, that's what it is. Like imams have salaries, you know, um, board members and things like that also have salaries. And you would think, and and I like this isn't just Islam. Like I, I think everything that I've spoken about today doesn't just necessarily apply to Islam, but because I'm Muslim, I'm talking about it from that perspective. But it, I think it applies to a lot of religions, you know, even with the whole like you know. Um, assaults and traumas and things like that uh but back to like the mosque industrial complex really mosques have just become like you compete with each other you know my dad went to Juma the other day and he was like I don't feel anything when I go to the mosque now and it's really sad I mean it might just be his personal thing but I honestly agree with him because he's like you know we go and we pray in like in congregation and you're still like six feet apart from the person next to you and so what happened to that rule of like you know shaitan is gonna come in between you and like you know it's 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 really sad but also uh we heard uh i think it was last year the year before i think it was 2020 or 2019 when uh everyone learned that you know muslim pro was selling data to the u.s military which is not surprising it isn't because everybody is out here you know, looking for profit. And I don't think that's necessarily an individualistic fault or like, like, you know, I don't think it is. But at the same time, you know, we as Muslims have that choice of, you know, do we want to make profit or do we want to actually remain uh, true to our morals and values? 
And so I think when mosques take this position, this political stance of like, yes, let's support the liberal party, let's support the conservative party, like, I don't get what happens in your brains. Like, this one time my dad, he had a friend come over. And obviously, like, you know, in our culture, ego is a huge thing, even though religiously it shouldn't be there. And so he was on my case. He was like, you know, here's my friend who's running for the conservative party. And I need you to sign us all up for, like, to be part of the party. And I was like, hello? Hello? Like, I understand he's your friend, but there you need to draw lines you know you need to have your you you need to hold on to your morals and values because here you are saying oh you know like israel's bomb bombing uh palestine and we can't have that as muslims or you know at the time the london attack had happened and everyone was like oh yes islamophobia but you don't think the conservatives are like they're literally backing all of these things not just the conservatives all of like government in general democracy is fake but like literally I couldn't. I was like, hello. And then I, I told my grandma and then my grandma and dad had a fight and it was just like a whole instigation thing that was happening. And I'm like, how are you going to ask me to like do this for you? Um, but it's not just him, you know, that's just like a, a home thing. But like, that's what mosques do as well. They're like, yes, this is my good friend, uh, Ahmed, and he is running for conservative party. And like, you're going to vote for him. Like, no, we're not. We're not. How are you going to do this to us? Like, how are you going to betray your own community? How are you going to be like, let's make the offer for Palestine, but then also actively vote and um, change structures so that our own people can oppress our own people just so that we look good in the community? Like, make it make sense, please. It's absolutely infuriating. Okay, um, I'm kind of losing a hold of myself. Um, so the next week... What's coming up for me in my life is uh, I have an exam to do um, and I also have some work stuff for work and then I'm going to try to be finishing my books. I actually have to pick up my holds. I have a lot of holds to pick up. Um, I have some books to drop off so we're going to do that and yeah and then uh, in inshallah for the next episode I'm going to try to talk to my grandfather so hopefully that one will be like in Punjabi exclusively um, just for you uh, so that's all for today yours till we go to Islam <laughs> see you next time or um, be in your device next time that was so creepy wow uh, okay bye <laughs>